Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday, but is there a big storm coming in? I mean, I, I, I hear there's a big storm coming in. I'm supposed to drive down to Philadelphia tomorrow, but... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a ma- by the way, I want to make sure we also wish all our friends in the Jewish community a happy new year. Yom Kippur starts Where's on Rabbi Sunday. Bukashnik? He usually does that. Yeah, I know. I, I thought I would temporarily Is replace there a rabbi him. rabbi in the house? <laughs> the unofficial rabbi for tonight? Uh, yeah, well, I love the Jewish community, so I'm happy to, to take that temporary designation. In, in the studio, we have uh, uh, Governor uh, David Patterson. We have Chairman Ed Cox and uh, Judge Richard Weinberg and... What a combination. Uh, two common sense Democrats, one common sense Republican. And my God, what happened today with New Jersey? I mean, I was shocked that, uh, uh that, uh, Senator Menendez, uh, got indicted. I, again! I, I, again! By no, the way, this I is the second time. I, I mean, I, I feel that he'd be a lot more careful than going through that crap last time. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, And, of course, he's the chairman of the very powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You can't make it up. And, John, he just got a – it was a hung jury the last time. And they're alleging – this is the U.S. Attorney's Office – is alleging – it's like a scene out of The Sopranos that he had, like, cash stuffed in his jacket and that there was hundreds of thousands and an account uh, at the safety deposit box, gold bars laying around – and that was they in allege- his house, Rita. Yeah, that was in, yeah. That was in his house. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but Rita, the best part of the story is that his wife, who was indicted with him, was a juror, as you've pointed out, in his first case that it was a hung jury. You can't yeah. make this up. Oh, that's right. It was the wife in the and, first one, right? right? And now she's also charged, by the way, also so she's Judge Weinberg. Up, she, so she's moving up so, in the world. So, Your Honor, can the defense ask for her to sit on the jury again? <laughs> <laughs> They better. They better. Oh, don't forget, a wife cannot testify against a husband. Oh, oh, there you go. Married guys in the room, all right? There's a tip. And we have the uh, GOP chair from New Jersey. Exactly. We've got Bob. Let's, let's see. Let's see what's going on in Jersey. Yeah, Bring Bob. Uh, Bob, and I know you ran against uh, Senator Menendez. I remember you being on the show with us on WABC yeah. many times. Um, yeah. You're, of course, the current GOP chair there. First of all, your reaction. This is it's stunning as we're just talking about because of the hung jury last time. The allegations are. It's like he started minutes later with this one. It is unbelievable. You can't you can't make this stuff up. And just you know, Rita. Not only did I run against them, we grew up together in Union City, born in the same year. We went to the same school system, and I've known him since certainly high school and all those years. And and my wife and I, we decided to run against him because of the moral issues. We knew how corrupt he was, and how bad it was, and how how poorly he delivered for New Jersey at the same time. And I want. Important for us to focus on here. The Democrats are going to go behind doors now. He's already stepped down as the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He, he's going to be pushed out by saying, We're not going to give you the line. We're going to work out some kind of deal to get you some kind of probate, no jail, 
Hey, uh, Bob, you're breaking up. Bob, you're breaking up a little bit on the phone. I did hear what you said, though, um, that uh, he's been temporarily stepping down as foreign relations chair. Apparently, Senator Schumer just announced that a little bit ago. Um, and there are also intense calls now for him to resign from Democrats and Republicans. But he's uh, Schumer is apparently reporting that Menendez is going to at least step down from the Foreign Relations Committee. Yes, they, 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 they're going to get him to resign also behind closed doors. We don't want him to resign. He is very beatable, even in a presidential election year. And how could someone so smart be so stupid to do stuff like that? Leave gold bars, hundreds of hundred dollar bills in his pockets. It's, it's bizarre that he could possibly be, be such a smart person and be so stupid beside being corrupt. But anyway, uh, but the thing is, they're going to go behind, do- behind doors and, and say, oh, no, you know, we're going to resolve this ourselves. Well, baloney, you know, Donald Trump says we should have a jury trial. They said, no jury trial. Let's, let's have the people decide what the solution is. Let's help hold the Democrats to the same standard. What's this nonsense behind closed doors, smoke-filled rooms to decide who the candidate's going to be? Oh, no, we're an open party. We're not like you Republicans. This is a disgrace of what they're doing. And watch how they handle it. We've got to take advantage of this and really let them know they're going to pay the price for the corruption throughout that party, and we're going to make them pay for it. So, Bob, at, at Cox here, if, in fact, you were to resign and there is a, uh, a special election, which I'm sure the governor would declare right away, does the county, does the chair of the party then get to select the candidate? You would get to select the Republican, and the chair of the state party would get to select the uh uh, the, the Democratic candidate? Is that the way it would work? No, I don't think so, Ed. I think what the, what's going to likely happen is they play the game they want. They're going to extend it for another four or five weeks, and he's up for re-election in 24. So he will appoint, Governor Murphy will appoint a successor, like Governor Christie did when uh, Frank Lautenberg died, and that person will either run or not run in 24. And let's be clear what's going to happen. This is a you have a great show here, and I don't want to tell you stuff that I think is going to happen. They're going to appoint somebody who's going to be much more difficult to beat than Bob Menendez. And then we're going to be stuck with somebody. Menendez will be 70 in January. He's got even if he wins next year, he'd have one, maybe one term, maybe two at the most. They're going to appoint somebody who's an attractive candidate who can run maybe four times. 24 years will be stuck with this decision. Because it, it's hard to beat an incumbent, but we can win an open seat, or we can, or we can win a seat with a, a guy as badly damaged as Menendez is now. With those pictures with the gold bars and a hundred dollar bill sticking out of his pockets, I just—it's beyond belief that you could have that happen. Despite that, and, uh, I would—I would think he'd want to stay in office and then use that his resignation as a bargaining trade, sl- trade, a trade. Exactly, Your Honor. It's the only trade he has. It's the only card he has. He has to do it. But I tell you, I hope he doesn't resign. We've got to fight so hard. He is a fighter, right? All those people, you're trying to dig my grave. I see you doing it. I'm going to come and get you, you know, to Torricelli and all these other people. He's, he's done, unfortunately. But we've got to hope he can hang on like Joe Biden. We want Joe Biden to be the presidential candidate, and we want Bob Menendez to be the Senate candidate in 24 and get Republicans back on the right track here. Now, okay. would you run? Would you run, Bob, again? Uh, you know, I, I had a good experience when I ran. I ran for moral reasons, having grown up with the guy, and he was going to run unopposed after a freaking hung jury, and there was nobody's going to. My wife and I made the decision to do that. It was a good experience. We made so many good friends. I've gotten in so many more businesses in New Jersey. 
an above-the-board businesses because of that and friends I've made. And I, I would say I would never say I wouldn't run, but I'm not planning on it at this point unless something changes dramatically. Well, he looks like a piker compared to President Biden. If, in fact, the uh, the trusted informant of the FBI is right that Biden received five million dollars. That's a lot of gold exchange. bars, Ed. Yeah, that's a, a lot, lot of gold, gold bars. bars. Yeah. Doesn't gold that's bars feel like eighteenth century? Doesn't it feel like <laughs> like it's like who uses gold bars these days? Well, you know, the gold bars are a great thing because the the IRS and and the Treasury you don't have to get ten ninety nine for them. So gold can be gone back and forth like artwork. You know, you don't know what the value is and. And the fact that they gave her gold bars is just unbelievable. You weren't trying to slide this through the IRS and, and, and screw the taxpayer by doing this. They knew what they were doing. But to allow that in your house, after all the rumors about the investigation was going on, he, he started a defense fund already. He knew he was on investigation. It's almost like you would think that had to be planted there. How could you be so stupid to have gold bars and hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollar bills, hundred dollar bills sticking out of your pockets and they put them on the floor and took pictures of them? It's unbelievable. It is. And by the way, I want to also say that Menendez uh, came out with a statement and essentially said, uh, this is sort of typical for Congress. A, I don't know great, what that says. That's a great affirmative defense. Yeah. Democrats in Congress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you can't make it up. Uh, wow. It's the everyone does it defense. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. it doesn't work. Oh, oh, wait, well, it'll be God. interesting if he starts saying, hey, wait a minute, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? There we go. I understand uh, that uh, uh, President Biden and Menendez had many fights. Uh, is it uh, is it uh, President Biden's turn to turn on Menendez? Well, you know, the thing is, when, when Menendez fought against originally uh, Obama on reopening re- uh, relationships with Cuba, Obama and Menendez got on bad terms. And Menendez blamed his original indictment on Obama's vengeance because it was a Democratic president and his Justice Department indicted him on the first time. And, and Biden was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is Menendez's area. God forbid he would bring money back to New Jersey, but he can talk about what's happening in, in East Africa or China or something, but no, no, no value to New Jersey. Because I understand uh, Menendez was pushing him on a lot of things and uh, telling uh, President Biden that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to vote for any of your people. Yeah, but the thing is, Biden have, is awake only a couple hours a day. How, how, <laughs> I don't Menendez, maybe, maybe Menendez had that argument with Biden's people, the progressives that are really running the White House. But Joe Biden wouldn't have had – I don't think Joe Biden could have that conversation with Bob Menendez. You know? So I, I don't doubt that Menendez was aggressive and arrogant. You know, when I ran against him, we had all these pictures of stuff went on in the Dominican Republic, allegedly with these underage women and, and stuff like that, that the people ignored and stuff. A month after he was reelected, he, he's not like a physically chilled, chiseled guy, right? He goes just to show the arrogance. A month after he's elected, and I'm, and I'm over the election. It's no big deal. Life goes on. You lose an election. You move on. Keep doing other stuff. He was he was photographed openly with a girlfriend in Puerto Rico with just a bathing suit, no shirt on, with his big, heavy body out there saying, screw you, buddy. I don't care what you do. You can't get me. So he's so arrogant. And this is the most unbelievable thing. His son is a congressman, you know, who took his Congress seat before the, just recently in the last election. And from what I hear, he's, he's doing a good job and a good guy. And, and Menendez's first wife 
Janie Jacobson lived a few blocks from me where I grew up on 12th Street in Union City. And good people. And this guy has just gone off the deep end in the last 40 years and embarrassed our state, our country, our, our county, our, our Union City. It's just, it's just so embarrassing. Well, thank you. we got to take a break. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank we got to get back to uh, more uh, New York business uh, besides New Jersey business. Yeah, wow. <laughs> thank Bob Heba's posted, Bob. Hugan, okay. yeah, thank you so much. Come on. Thank, thank you. Thanks, take care. Thank uh, you And let's go to New York, uh, Rita. Yep, we've got Congressman Michael Lawler now joining us. And, uh, Congressman, uh, before we move on, your reaction. Uh, let's get on the big news of the day about Menendez real quick. Well, you know, as a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House, you know, obviously, there's a lot of disturbing allegations uh, in the indictment, uh, and especially as pertains to foreign affairs. Uh, the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee has uh, approval authority over arms deals uh, and other, uh, you know, exchanges with foreign uh, countries. So, you know, a lot of disturbing information. Um, this is obviously not the first time that he's been accused of corruption. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Well, court, I found but... out, Congressman, I found out something new now. I can give you, te- I can give you gold bars or I can give you gold and there's no 1099s. Yes, there you go. By the is way, gold is up. Look, you, you can give him Hunter, Hunter Biden's paintings. They also saying, like gold that's, bars. That's no right. 1099s. Yeah, they're, they're terrific. They're like Van Gogh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can assure you the only gold bars I would ever take is if there's chocolate inside, but that's it. <laughs> Good call. You have to wait for Easter. <laughs> Good call. Good call, Congressman. Um, I want to get uh, your take also, of course, on everything that's happening in Washington, Congressman Lawler. Uh, we also want to ask you on migrants, too. But you had the, you're quoted. I didn't come to Congress to play stupid games. Uh, tell us what's going on there with this fight that's going on with McCarthy. Well, it's really unfortunate. You know, voters elected us, especially out of New York, uh, to serve as a check and balance on the Biden administration uh, and to have a, a House Republican majority to govern. Uh, and. You know, unfortunately, we have a handful of people led by Matt Gates, uh, who, frankly, have no interest in governing, but want to throw bombs, want to play games uh, and, frankly, want to undermine the conference and the speaker. Kevin McCarthy has done a phenomenal job leading this conference, putting us in a position to win day in, day out. And we have a handful of people who just refuse to take yes for an answer. They refuse uh, to define a win. And they don't know how to work as a team. And so to me, uh, what they are doing is putting us in a really uh, bad situation uh, and and setting up a government shutdown for no reason. Uh, Yes, we have to work through the appropriations process. Yes, we have to cut spending. One of the biggest reasons I ran for Congress was to cut spending and to rein in uh, the Biden administration. They spent five trillion dollars in new spending in two years. It's outrageous. Uh, But we have to work through the appropriations process to do that. Shutting down the government is is not going to strengthen our hand. And in fact, it's not going to save American taxpayers any money. It's going to cost them money with the interest we're going to have to pay on it. So it's foolish. uh, And I really just implore my colleagues, let's pass the CR the beginning of the week that incorporates uh, the other big pressing issue, which is the border. And and we had a, a conservative CR that would cut spending by 8% and that would tackle border security. 
and put Chuck Schumer, who has done absolutely nothing on the border, uh, on the defensive. And instead, these folks, you know, said no. And now they're trying to shut down the government uh, rather than govern. Mike, uh, Ed Cox here. I I would not bet against Speaker McCarthy and his whip, uh, Emmer. I mean, they are really a great team. I call McCarthy the the, the man from Bakersfield, tough blue collar uh, uh, area in California. Unlike it's not Hollywood, it's not San Francisco. It's different. I wouldn't bet against that team. Uh, listen, t- uh, Kevin McCarthy has been underestimated uh, through the first nine months, and every time he has delivered, he has worked tirelessly uh, to to lead this conference and to put it in a position. Uh, to do what is right by the American people. I have full confidence in Kevin McCarthy. I spoke to him this morning at length. Uh, I've been in numerous meetings over the last 72 hours uh, trying to to find compromise as a conference uh, because that's what the American people expect of us. And I know Kevin will do everything he can between now and September 30th uh, to make sure we do not shut down, uh, but that we also are in a position uh, to negotiate with Chuck Schumer and the Senate on spending. Nobody disagrees about the need to cut spending. We are all in agreement on that as a conference. Yeah, uh, you need some common sense, strategy. and I think Kevin McCarthy uh, gives some common sense to the system. No no question about it. He's, listen, here's the other thing, John. You know, Nancy Pelosi ruled with an iron fist. Kevin has opened up Congress to allow rank and file members to be part of the process. He's allowed the committees to do their work rather than a top down driven model. So the sausage making could be a little messy at times. Uh, You know, this week in conference, we had what I referred to as festivists. Uh, Everybody had their airing of the grievances uh, as a conference. But uh, we're going to come together. We'll do what's right by the American people and and, uh, ultimately avoid a shutdown and get our spending and government under control. All right. Well, uh, Congressman, you got to come back on again soon. We want to talk with you about migrants and a whole bunch of other stuff, but we love having you on. Thank you, Congressman. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Congressman Mike Lawler. Let's take a break right now, and we'll come back uh, with the country's leading economist, uh, Larry Kudlow. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And wow, 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 we've been talking, of course, about this indictment against Democratic Senator Robert Menendez, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. John, uh, we just got a message in from one of our trusted advisors who said the big issue is that, of course, Biden has been negotiating the reentry into the Iran nuclear deal. Remember the big six billion dollars that were suddenly unfrozen. Menendez has been very vocal opposing this deal and, quote, Biden indicted him to get back into the Iran deal. Now Menendez is out of the way. Wow. Oh, wow. John, this is big. That's really interesting. That's, anything is possible. I mean, this, I mean, the attorney general never indicted any other Democrat. Yeah. It's in, and the timing of this is interesting well, too. Why? You don't and, believe in coincidences? And, and don't <laughs> Not with this DOJ. If the, if, the, but, if the rumor is around that Obama's running the White House, 
It makes sense. It goes yes. back to 2016. Yes, absolutely. And he's been Governor, pushing. Governor Patterson? Well, I, I think if you look at the indictment today, and it's it's pretty severe, and it's ongoing with a lot of evidence in it. It isn't just they indicted him. I think that they've been after him for a long time. I, I just get that feeling. Or now, sitting on it, Gov. Let me play a conspiracy. Yes. Sitting on it. I like that movie How much do you better. I like that one. I Let's like go that to movie. Larry Kudlow. Larry, what's going on with the economy? Well, Menendez could have called me. I would have told him the gold price. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Larry Kudlow, I never knew that if you make a payoff with gold bars, there's no 1099 involved. There's no 1099. And. He had to go on his computer. He just could have called me. I mean, I follow gold every day. How about Hunter? Way, how about Hunter Biden's paintings? You don't have to do ten ninety nine on those either. Do you evaluate those also, Larry? Well, speaking of Hunter Biden, I mean, Hunter, uh, you know, he got over twenty million plus lucrative directorships. Menendez, I don't know, less than a million. And I yeah. think it was a used, a used Mercedes. Very unimpressive. By the way, <laughs> and I will say, the irony I, didn't escape know, me, Larry, Menendez too. Menendez refused to buy Hunter Biden's uh, paintings. That's, that's it. Maybe yeah, that's, that's it. Maybe, but it is Can interesting. When I saw the headline today, indicted for, I was like, what's going on with Hunter Biden? And it was like, no, it was Bob Menendez. There's something, there's something more to this than we know. Yeah, and and, that, and we may be on what you just said. The timing is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak to that. Yes. It well, is, a, we, very, we don't it is know. a very serious it's very matter. Serious. I'm making light of it, but Menendez has been on the ropes for a long time, so it's, it's a really bad story. But, John, the other story is interest rates up, stocks down. Interest rates up, inflation up, stocks down. And I think that's going to be a theme for a while. That's where I'm looking at it. Uh, inflation is going to be worse than the Fed is telling us. Oil prices have a lot to do with it. Um, there's no telling how high oil prices are going to go. The Fed's going to have to raise their target rate much more than people think. And none of this is good for the stock market, which is kind of overvalued to begin with. So I don't want to be gloomy on a Friday, but I'm just saying realistically, what happened this week to the market may be a harbinger of a difficult autumn. Well, to Larry... Uh, I, I looked at Powell doesn't have a clue what's going on. It's like he's looking at the uh, at the rearview mirror because in the last sixty days oil has gone from what seventy to to ninety ninety five. Yep, I mean uh, he never mentioned oil in his entire press conference. The only time it came up was when our Fox Business reporter Edward Lawrence asked him specifically uh, about the rising price of oil that you just mentioned and how that was going to impact inflation. And then Powell sort of blathers through a terrible answer and then says, well, oil doesn't impact inflation. It's not going to have any inflation effect. It already has recent months, the last couple months, with the rise in oil prices. Uh, the CPI has gone up, stopped going down. It's now going back up. Uh, I don't think oil's coming down because, you know, here's Biden uh, freezing production and drilling in Alaska and New Mexico and the Gulf of Mexico, while OPEC plus our dear friends, the Saudis and the Russians and the Iranians and the Venezuelans, they are cutting production. And he can't go to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve because he's already looted half of the thing. So the hour for oil is probably bullish. There's very little reserve left. Yeah, that's correct. 
And so that means the uh, inflation rates are going to stay, continue to rise. It's going to get worse, I, Larry. The the price of gasoline, I think, is going to go to five. Or, if it stays at $95 a, a barrel, the price of gasoline is going to go to five, five and a half, six dollars a, a, a gallon. Uh, price of heating oil is up to three and a half already. And the price of food is not going down. It's going to go up. So it's hurting the middle class and it's, and it's hurting the uh, the poor people. That's right. Low-income people get hurt very badly from this. You know, fertilizer goes up, so food prices have to go up. Uh, I mean, I don't know how far it's going to go. You're more of an expert than I am. I'm just saying that the Federal Reserve is not being transparent. Um, they're not finished tightening. And I think the stock market is sniffing that out. Yes, well, Larry Kudlow, uh, have a great weekend. I understand you might be flying uh, uh, to California for the debates and uh, yeah, I'm, travel I'm gonna safe. Be, I'm, I'm going to be at the debates. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to do our show out there, and I'm going to do the pre-debate show. And I just want everyone to know I'm going to wear my long pants, unlike Senator Fetterman. Thank <laughs> nobody. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Larry Kudlow. Travel safe. Long pants on. All right, thanks, kids. And well, let's well, take let's take a break, and uh, we're going to come back with Bill Brandt. Oh, you want to do breaking news? Go ahead. Yeah, I think we should do it. Breaking yeah. news. WABC. Uh, uh, before we go, this just came in, John. This is happening fast and furious on the Menendez front. Uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is calling on Senator Bob Menendez to resign. After the bribery indictment. So the walls are closing in on Menendez. Brutus, you too? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's true. <laughs> the knives are out. <laughs> the knives are out. Wow. And look, the knives well, are out. It's not but hard. I wonder. I'm, I'm, Does the White House phone uh, the governor? It, that's what I was going to say. It, it's, I mean, it's who not. Knows? It's not hard to get him to do that when he's the one who's going to be making the appointment to replace the Senate. Yeah, good, good point. point. Good, good point. point. Yeah, very good. good. Point. Let's take that break, and we're going to come back with uh, Bill Bratton uh, because they want to cut the uh, terrorism uh, budget, uh, terrorist, budget the and the, the NYPD. Forget about it. We don't have enough protection now, but you're going to cut the budget for the terrorists? 75%. I mean, it's not even like a it's, – it's an enormous cut. And it's a national issue. It's not just New York. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. And joining us now is the great former NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton. Uh, Commissioner, we're so thrilled to have you here. And, you know, I, you know, this is so alarming. We're talking about these cuts and an enormous cut, uh, it looks like maybe coming to the NYPD counterterrorism unit of all things. Talk about just how devastating that could be. What we are talking about is the continuing decline in the number of police officers in New York City. You can thank your New York City Council that, uh, remember the defund the police movement? Well, uh, the council with then Mayor de Blasio reduced the budget of the department by a billion dollars. And we're now still stealing the effects of that billion-dollar cut in that the department has been losing thousands of officers. They have probably about 3,000 officers less than when I was commissioner 
back in 2016, Jimmy O'Neill 2018. They will probably lose another 1,000 this year because of the overtime cutbacks they're going forward with. City Council has refused to hire more police officers, so Mayor Adams has not even attempted to put new officers into the budget. But let me give you a little brief history of this particular issue, which is really a, uh, a crisis. The idea that uh, when I was police commissioner in 2014, we convinced the city council to let me hire 1,300 more officers, and I returned about 1,400 more by surveillanceization and cadet hiring. So I had 2,700 officers to work with in 2015. We created two units, basically this entity, to deal with counterterrorism, the, uh, 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 the uh, Critical Response Command, CIC, 550 officers, all highly trained to work together. You see them running around the city in those uh, uh, suburban vehicles. They're all equipped with long guns, the heavy-duty vests and helmets. They're specially trained to deal with terrorism-related incidents. We also created the 600-person Strategic Response Group, also heavily armed, heavy-duty vests. They're the ones that you see equipped with bicycles. They have the ballistic shields. They're specifically trained to deal with crowd control, to deal with riots, etc., we now had in the city, which before uh, 2015, there were only about 30 officers with long guns in the whole city on patrol at any one time. Now we have hundreds because of the concern about terrorism, the concern about extraordinary violence. This unit has been already cut back from its original strength of 550. I think they're down to about 275 now, reflective of the declining manpower in the department because of the city council refusing to hire more police officers. Now, if I understand it, they're talking about reducing it down to about 70 officers. 70 officers covering the whole city 24 hours a day, taking into account their days off shifts. That means there'd be about 25 officers per shift covering the whole city. Impossible. That's stunning. It's, Commissioner, it's stunning. I, my jaw is dropping. That is uh, to cover the whole city. What does that mean to public safety? It means a significant deterioration in public safety, particularly during, for example, the Jewish holidays coming up. For example, when the Muslims are celebrating their holidays, when there is a crisis around the world relative to terrorism and we have to put extra people to guard embassies, you can't just pull cops out of the precincts. They don't have the equipment. They don't have the training. They don't have the understanding. And that's why we created these highly trained entities that work together, coordinate together, and are equipped with all the latest equipment, intelligence, etc. You're effectively uh, 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 taking an incredible resource out of the city's counterterrorism capabilities. And we are still the number one most significant terrorism target in America. Nothing has changed about that issue. So uh, I feel badly for uh, Mayor Adams, the leadership of the department. They have so few resources to work with, but to take offices out of this entity, they've already cut it by half, and evidently they're talking about cutting it down to 70 offices, if not smaller. Uh, again, uh, as you can feel, I have strong feelings about this. I created it. We created it for a purpose, myself and John Miller in particular. And uh, this is a city that needs to protect against terrorism. And the uh, the uh, deputy chief in charge of terrorism, actually she's a deputy commissioner, uh, uh, Rebecca Arena, uh, you're taking a phenomenal resource from her that allowed her to anticipate a crisis, respond to it to prevent something from happening. Now, basically, we're going back to a reactive phase rather than proactive. 
Uh, it's again, uh, uh, I can understand the pressure that the mayor and the police department are under because there are 3,000 fewer cops uh, now than when I was there, and they're going to lose another thousand, two thousand over the next year or two. That's this and, is heartbreaking, you know, uh, Commissioner Bill Bratton. It really is because, and obviously, you creating it, but we all appreciate your good work uh, and how important it is right now with all the threats that are going on around exactly. the world. Um, Commissioner, we have uh, former Governor uh, David Patterson here. Commissioner, right, uh, how are you? Um, well, thank you. Just at, from a policy perspective, when you start talking about counterterrorism, you're talking about something that's affecting the whole country. It's almost ironic that uh, too many city council members think this is like a city issue, like closing a park or something. And it's not. It's something that affects people uh all over this country, the greatest terrorist attack of them all happened right here in New York City. It could happen again. Some of these people who won't vote for it probably would be the first to criticize the police for not stopping it if it happened the second time. It, it, it's it's well, really just... Governor, you've hit the nail on the head. The whole purpose of the counterterrorism entity is to prevent it from happening, and they've done a damn good job. We've had extraordinarily few incidents uh, in the city with many, many, many dozens of them being detected and prevented. And now you're basically going to neuter the capability to send large numbers of officers appropriately trained, appropriately equipped to prevent this. You see them standing outside the embassies during this week's hunger. They were significantly involved in protecting all those U.N. delegates that have been running all over the city. And uh, next year, they're not going to have them. What are they going to do? They're going to bring cops in from the precincts, come into Manhattan. They don't know where the hell they're going in Manhattan. They're not equipped the way these guys are. They're not trained the way these people are. And effectively, it's, uh, again, uh, uh, thank you, politicians, because they're effectively, uh, chip by chip, they're pulling away from the fabric of the NYPD and really neutralizing its ability to keep this city safe. Well, uh, Judge Weinberg, last question. Commissioner, it's often said, I'd like your comment on it, that the terrorists only have to be lucky once and we have to be lucky all the time. What do you say about that? Well, that's uh, effectively the uh, uh, reason that we created this unit in the first place in the strategic response group, the idea of trying to prevent, can't prevent everything, but you sham sure can prevent a lot of it, and the NYPD has been doing a phenomenal job. But thanks to our city council and their constant attacks, taking away the powers of the cops, reducing the size of the department, reducing the equipment they get to work with, reducing the amount of time they can train. They are uh, heading this city into an incredible crisis. It's, it's ironic, isn't it, that uh, uh, they've been able to maintain so much stability in the city with the, the uh, migrant influx, with the growing problems around fentanyl, that this department is still uh, the best one in the world. And it's uh, working against great odds. And what are the odds they're working against? those 51 characters at the city council. Well, bravo for you keeping up the great fight and always caring about this city. Uh, we love you. Uh, former Commissioner Bill Bratton, thank you. It's always great to have you on. You've got to come back on again soon. All the best. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, Commissioner. And joining us now is Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, of course, we love him. Uh, head of the Fox uh, A-team there, medical expert. And, of course, at uh, Langone Medical Center. And, Dr. Siegel, I, I know you want to talk about uh, Biden confusion because, boy, was he confused uh, the other day where he told the same story 
over and over again, almost word for word. Everyone's quoting it because it's it such seems, a good story. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that's the reason. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. But I uh, guess I got it wrong. Really, but, and, but he told it literally word for word minutes later. Right, Doctor Siegel. By the way, uh, it's a great honor to follow Commissioner Bratton, who I know very well. He's a friend of mine. So it's these are big shoes to fill. Uh, and uh, in terms of the, what's going on with the president, I think, you know, I said recent, previously, and John's heard me, that we need a, a nursing home now between the White House and the, and the Capitol, I think. But, but the president, of course, is, is the chief executive, and we're talking about executive function here. Cognition is executive function. Now, memory, you can work on replacing Rita with memory cards. I mean, it was ridiculous to see him with, you know, with Zelensky there reading off of a card. Hello, you know, hello is written on a card. Hello, hello, Mr. President Zelensky. I yes, mean, and by the way, there was a moment where he looked and he said, um, we stand by you. I, literally, that's what he was looking at. at you know, how, com- how much confidence do you get being on the receiving end of that? We stand by you written on a card. But, 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 but even worse was with the Brazilian president. He bangs into the flag on the way on. You know, let's, let's look at this. There's two issues here. There's fitness, and there's also the face we're showing the world. So look at the face we show Brazil, knocking into the flag on the way on the stage. I thought that was Charlie and, Chaplin, doctor. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't handle the headset that give him a universal translation. Later, where, where the president of Brazil is basically he, saying to him, by the way, we need to work together. Well, he, then he kept saying, the president of Brazil kept saying, are you hearing me? He might not have heard a word. And then he stumbles off the stage talking about Charlie Chaplin and, and doesn't take the man's outstretched hand. So what are we doing with, how's that helping our diplomacy? He bumped into a flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, he yeah. bumped into the Brazilian flag after the president of Brazil was holding his hand out, like, okay, ready to shake. And President Biden walked off the other direction. <laughs> and, he, and the President of Brazil just made some very arm sad. gesture. He was wow, very sad. upset by it. Well, yeah, he almost looked like he was going to use the finger versus the hand. He looked so here, mad. Governor Patterson, look, Governor Patterson has a, a statement. No, I just want to say, even I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> what, giving the finger or which one? <laughs> no, bumping a well, flag on a stage. Oh, okay. <laughs> Governor Patterson has always conducted himself with a great deal of, of civility and and he he projects you know a very high level of of, uh, of charisma but all, but also formality and that's what's lacking here you know when governor patterson was governor he, he, there was a there was a prestige yeah and, and he's sharp as attack and he's sharp and i want to vote I, he has the governor patterson has the greatest sense of humor too so he his cognitive skills are high i want to attest to that gov okay <laughs> thank you i want a tape of this show <laughs> By the way, I want to I want to dig a little deeper on this whole thing, because what I started to say is important, which is it's not just about memory. If it was just about memory, maybe a cue card, but it's also that executive function. And again, this is the chief executive to frontal all over the brain. So you're talking about control of your emotions, ability to plan, ability to multitask, ability to, to socialize properly. You know, these are things you need. You need in the creative thinking, problem solving. Uh, focus. These are the things you need in a president, right? Yeah. And, and you know, um, Dr. Mark Siegel, in all seriousness, too, with this whole week with the U.N. and the stakes so high. I mean, we had, you know, Zelensky in. We had the Iranian leader in. You kept thinking, what is he going to go in the room? And like, you know, before he even talks about what he goes to Iran and asks him about ice cream. 
uh, because there's been these inappropriate times, which you just hit on, where it seems like very serious moments in our in our country. There's a horrible shooting that happened in Tennessee. He goes to the White House and he starts joking with the kids about ice cream. And then you tell you can see almost it's like someone in the back of the room goes, "Uh, you're not here about ice cream. You're here about a mass shooting. You know, it's a very serious topic. and, And there is this inappropriateness, which. There's this cognitive disconnect. As how you're is saying. he going to be a Look, doctor? How is he going to be able to debate a candidate against him? Not going to debate. Look, it's even, no. Of it's, course, of course, he'll, he'll he'll bunker down at that point. I mean, I don't I, I don't think we're going to see see that. I mean, you know, he has has in the past. You, you know, that's interesting. I was thinking of that the other day. That that's actually a cognitive test that we we've been calling for cognitive tests because in the past he was an excellent debater. It's hard to believe that he can still be an excellent debater when he has to read "Hello, uh, nice to see you," you know, off of a cue card. Yeah, well, I mean, th- that'll be an interesting debate. He'll need a whole stack of those cards if that's the case. <laughs> Let me I mean, say that. You know, this is not grandfather in chief where you lie, lie, where you put a, a gentle hand on on his on his wrist and say, "Hello, Grandpa. Nice to see you." And he, and he smiles awkwardly. This is the this is the, the leader of the free world. Ed Cox, yeah, look, last what, question. La- well, last statement. Look, uh, this gets serious though when he insists. I'm pulling out of Afghanistan against the advice of everyone just because he wants to announce on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 that he got the United States out of Afghanistan against all advice, including his military advice. What a disaster. And that's because of his and issues. And we gave China the entire country of Afghanistan. Exactly. One more China. medical thought to, to add to that point, which is tragically, and this is the most important thing, if you are slipping, you're the last to know it. And so, you know, he's not going to admit this. He's not going to even know it necessarily. And so it's up to us to to take this seriously. Yeah, we need to call Jill Biden. I think. Let's, let's <laughs> Let take a, thank you, doctor. <laughs> let's take a break. And we're, we're, we're going to come back with uh, WABC's newest host. Uh, and uh, we have Senator Alphonse D'Amato. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back now on Cats and Cosby. And joining us is Senator Al D'Amato. Senator, um, before we get to you, I just want to get uh, your reaction. Uh, this news just coming in that Rite Aid plans to shut down hundreds of stores as it is planning to file for bankruptcy. Um, and boy, they have taken such a huge hit with so much shoplifting as so many stores across New York and the country have gone through it. Well, it, it's a shame. It underlines something that is taking place um, with not the big names, maybe more important than the big name brand stores that are closing down, is the mom and pop stores, uh, the, the the stores that people work, entrepreneurs who are being robbed, beaten, and, and the criminals who come in and rob and beat them uh, get away. Uh, uh, most of the time, they're not arrested. When they are arrested, they're not held. Um, they're not charged with anything. It's it's incredible. And and so, yeah, you're, you're going to see this continue, and there will be more uh, uh, stores and businesses to close down because of the crime that's taking place, because of the district attorneys like Bragg in New York City, um, who who don't care 
uh, about protecting the honest citizens of the, the business owners, uh, of the people just walking to work, uh, of our kids going to school. It, it, it is outrageous. And, and it does relate to crime, the criminal activity, the loss uh, that is incurred upon the businesses. And this is a, a striking example. I'm shocked uh, to think that Rite Aid, which is the drugstore which I, I use in, in Long Beach, um, uh, that they're, they're closing. And, and what does that do to the rest of the community when you have these vacancies? That doesn't bring in more business. Just brings in trouble. Yeah, that's so, a great point. You know, Senator, uh, also I get your take on the migrant stuff. Uh, there is so much going on, and now they're looking at some other uh, old colleges are now being looked at. And uh, just came out recently that it's hit an all-time high of uh, illegal border crossings. Hochul, the governor, coming out saying it's absolutely unsustainable. I mean, how do we handle this in New York? We're at a we're at a busting point, and they're talking about cutting services fifteen percent. I tell you this: uh, Republicans just said that they're not going to vote for any bill for any budget unless it has a provision to close the borders. That's what they should do, both in the House and the Senate. That's number one. Secure the borders for this country, for God's sakes. You can't create uh, 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 the room necessary to take care of these people. Listen, and and most of them are probably good people who just want a chance uh, for their life. But they got to be screened. And you got to make sure that you take in uh, uh, as many as you can handle, but not not millions and millions more. And just creating a worse situation, not only for them, but but what about the other people who are struggling to make it in this country? We're just going to forget about them. You're going to give everything to migrants. You're not going to get the the, those people who are looking for a job, who are here, who are American citizens, and who are struggling to make it. So you got to close the border. That's the the long. And assured of it, close the border. And, and I have to tell you, I'm going to start speaking up and, and telling members of the Congress, the Republicans, don't vote for uh, uh, continuing to, to run the government unless you uh, agree to close the border. And that's what we should be doing. But there doesn't seem to be any will, uh, Governor Patterson. So, uh, Senator, based on who runs the House these days, that would uh, immediately create a uh, problem to try to uh, settle a budget issue because Republicans are in the majority there. Yep. And they should get together the five jackasses that don't want to do anything. And they should say, OK, tell you what. We'll go and we'll, we'll, we'll continue for 30 days. But at the end of 30 days of funding, we are not going to support, not just five of them, all of them, we're not going to support any additional spending unless there's provisions in to close the border and secure this country. That's what they have to do. And the Democrats have to do the same thing. And I ask you, Governor, what reason? The sleepy Joe hat, the president of the United States, to keep open borders. I haven't the slightest idea. What the hell is going on in this country? 
Is is Menendez uh, the only Democrat to get indicted? Is there anything more than uh, you think we should know about this? And John, tell well, tell also the senator too the breaking news that we sort of had from uh, one of our sort of advisors. It was an interesting point that uh, the Biden's and uh, had to get rid of uh, uh, Menendez Menendez because uh, the, he, he was Iran deal. That's it. That uh, he was he what. He want, they want the Iran deal to get it done, and Menendez will not allow it to get done as the head of the foreign uh, committee. Yep, he's been very opposed to Biden, uh, you know, coddling Iran. Well, um, there he happens to be right. We shouldn't be coddling Iran. That's a mistake. You want to make a deal with Saudi Arabia, get Saudi Arabia and Israel working together in the United States, because Iran... If they become uh, uh, an atomic power, there's only one country that we can call upon to knock them out, and that is Israel. And the combination of Israel with Saudi Arabia and the United States, we make that area secure. And that's a way to stand up to the Russians. And that's a way to send a message to the Chinese. And that's why, and by the way, my Republican friends in the House who are dicking around by saying, no, we're not going to send any more money to the Ukraine. For God's sakes, didn't you see what Biden did when he backed down in Afghanistan? You want to do that? You think that's going to make us more well-respected? Our allies in Europe are worried we're about us We're out of time. Senator, thank you. Have a great weekend. And look forward to talking to you again soon, Monday, Tuesday. And God bless you. And uh, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.